Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to the New Books Network. I fear the man who is my husband. The mattress heaves every time I turn, unable to sleep. The darkness outside is absolute, as if someone has upended a bottle of ink, a blackness that swallows up light. The room is cool and quiet. Sleep should come easy, swift in its suddenness. But I'm fiddling with my phone, knowing that even though my mother can help me now, I will not call her. Too much has happened. This is GP Gottlieb, host for New Books and Literature, a podcast channel on the New Books Network. And today I'm talking to Chica Unigwe about her latest novel, The Middle Daughter, a 17-year-old girl in Nigeria dreams of going to college like her older sister in America, but she loses both that sister and her father, and Nani is unbalanced and vulnerable. She makes one bad choice and ends up married to an abusive man who thinks he has God's backing to lock her inside and refuse her friendships or a life of her own. She loses her sense of self and any courage she once had until an opportunity for escape arises. Hi, Chica. Thanks for joining me today. Hi, Gali. Thanks for having me. So how did you conceive of this novel and a protagonist like Nani? Um, so first of all, I framed it around the myth of Hades and Persephone, and I really hated all the versions of Hades and Persephone that I read, in which the Persephone um, character had absolutely no agency. So I wanted a novel in which the Persephone character, A, has agency, and B, gets some sort of justice. Hmm. So cool. Nadi's parents are both professionals, and the family lives in a mansion in a guarded neighborhood in Enugu. Can you say more about the life they lead? So um, Nani's parents are very typical of upper middle class Nigerians in in Enugu. So they would live in that kind of house. And um, somewhere in the novel, one of Nani's sisters um, wants the father to put in a rooftop 
swimming pool because her classmate had one and that actually <laughs> happened you know when I was growing up um my sister had a friend who wanted her father to put in a rooftop swimming pool because she'd seen one somewhere um so yeah they just you know they have domestic help they have everything that um upper middle class to upper class um Nigerian Nigerians living in Nigeria would have well you grew up in Enugu, how similar was your life to Nani and her sister's lives? <laughs> I mean, before everything fell apart for them, or how different was it? Um, so I didn't, we didn't live in a guarded neighborhood. We were, uh, my my father was a politician. So we were, we were middle, we we're solidly middle class. Um, and we had domestic help because everybody does, you know, more or less. Um, we had a driver because, you know, again, if you're middle class to upper middle class, you would have a driver or drivers. Um, I remember that at some point we actually had the children's driver and then my father's driver because my mother liked to drive herself. Um, and we had the children's car so that we could go anywhere we wanted to go um, with, with the driver. And then my father wow. had his own, my mother just did her own thing. But Nani's family um, is a lot wealthier than, <laughs> than mine was. Got it. I used to pretend my mother was the driver. <laughs> um, let's talk about Persephone a little bit more. Did you keep that in mind throughout the, as you were writing the book? Um, certainly as I was writing Nani's character. And then there are some other things that I um, put in there um, as as some sort of homage to, to, to Hades and Persephone and Nani's husband, where he lives, I think in, in the novel is referred to, Nani refers to it as the underworld or hell. I can't, I can't remember Nani's exact words. Um, and then um, Nani's picking flowers the first time that he runs into her. So I put all of these little markers that anybody who is familiar with the myth um, would pick up on. And those who are not familiar with the myth um, would just see it as adding texture to the novel. Mm -hmm. Wow. Uh, the younger sister, Ugo, also mm -hmm. tells parts of the story. Can you say a bit about her relationship to Nani and what kind of a person is she? Um, I think that Ugo is just typical of very protected last born. Um, I think that in many homes, the youngest gets to see a certain version of their parents that the others don't see. Um, and... Um, while Ugo really, really loves Nani, she's also selfish in the way that young people can be selfish. She's out to make sure that her own life doesn't get upended in the way that Nani's um, does. So everything Ugo is doing um, is get towards making sure that she has a good life, right? Even when, even when she thinks that she's also doing it for her sister's sake, the person that matters, number one to Ugo is Ugo. And I think that is very natural. Very natural. Um, and also the relationship between the sisters. See, I could, I bought all of it. I, it was <laughs> it, anywhere in the world, sisters, right? Um, I, the sadness of the loss of Udodi stayed with me throughout the book as if Nani would not have made the choices she made if her, if her sister, if that sister was still there. What do you mm -hmm. think? 
No, I, I absolutely agree with you. I think that the decisions that Nani makes, she makes because, excuse me, of the losses that she has suffered. And those losses that she has suffered um, and the grief that Nani carries with her make her vulnerable in a way that grief does make us vulnerable. Um, there are things that she does that she never would have done if she hadn't been made vulnerable by grief. So you're absolutely right. And then there's Auntie Enuka, the mother's best friend and godmother to at least one of the sisters. She's important to the story and to the family. Can you mm -hmm. introduce her? So Auntie Enuka is Nani's mother's very good friend. She's also fiercely independent, um, fiercely feminist, um, fiercely um, supportive of of her friend's um, daughters, because of course Auntie Nuka and Nani's mother are completely, they're almost antithetical to each other. You know, so while Nani's mother, you know, is, is married and has children and is very traditional to the extent in which the way that she manifests her love for her children is determined by culture and tradition. Auntie Nuka, on the other hand, doesn't feel bound by the same barriers. So Auntie Enuka um, does things because she wants to do them. It's almost as if she lives outside of those traditions and cultures um, to which Nani's mother finds herself very deeply bound by. Mm -hmm. And then there's Ephraim. He's, he's some kind of Christian religion with which I'm not familiar, but he seems <laughs> extreme in his thinking and he justifies everything he does as biblically ordained. Can, mm -hmm. you, ex can you explain? <laughs> yes, so Ephraim is um, some sort of evangelical Pentecostal pastor. And, and in the past, maybe 20 years, no, probably longer, this sort of Christianity has become very popular in Nigeria, and it was imported, you know, from from the United States. So oh. Robert's kind of evangelism, and um, and as with everything, there are people who would manipulate others, and there are people who would um, misuse the power that this you know that this gives them. And Ephraim is one of those people. Um, there's a recent BBC Africa documentary on um, someone called Prophet T.B. Joshua, who was an evangelical pastor in Nigeria. And he passed on, I think, last year or two years ago. And in that documentary, one of his um, disciples is what he what they're called. Um, so one of his disciples talks about um, how he would slap, slap women and they had to say thank you. Wow. Because that slap was... Um, I don't know how she explained it, but that slap came from God or something. Uh -huh. So, um, yeah. Wow. Why doesn't Nani call the police after she's assaulted? What is going through her head? Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of silence around sexual assault, um, not just in Nigeria, but, you know, everywhere we sort of, we get, um, we have this conversation all the time about how sexual predators get away with it because of the culture of silence. And in Nani's case especially, there is the tendency for victims to be blamed. And Nani is very aware 
of that. She's aware of the fact that she would be blamed and she's aware of the fact that she probably would not get help. And Nani being the kind of person to want to protect herself, you know, and to imagine that things will turn out a certain way, decides that she will not put herself through that torture of going to report to the police because she's aware that nothing will be done. Oh, it was heartbreaking. Mm -hmm. it, it, it's also, it's difficult to understand a man not allowing his wife to go outside without his permission mm -hmm. or a woman who tolerates abuse. Yes. I, I used to talk to my daughters about the bad things that could happen, how mm -hmm. they always needed to find a way out, how mm -hmm. I would always fight for them. Yes. Is it is it talked about? Are there women's shelters in Enugu? Did the parents think mm -hmm. that nothing bad would ever happen? Or was the mother too brokenhearted to attend to it? Mm -hmm. What happened? Um, so I think there are so many, a lot of different things happen in, in Nani's case. Um, the first is that she's not aware of anywhere that she can go to. Now there are women's shelters, I think, in Lagos. Um, but when I was growing up, and in the time the novel is set, I think it's set in 2014, um, I don't think that it existed, not in Enugu at least. So Nani had no idea where to go to. Um, and then secondly, I think that abuse does something to your self-esteem to the extent that you forget who you are, which is what happens to Nani, and mm -hmm. you forget that you can get help, which is also what happens to Nani. Um, about three years ago, there was a Nigerian physician who um, was married to a journalist, and she posted a video that went viral about how her husband was abusive and beat her up. And, um, and she showed all the scars, and the video went viral, and... A few days later, a few weeks later, the governor of her state called her and had a very public televised reconciliation for her between herself and her husband. Wow. And you know that this woman who is a physician, who is able to stand on her two feet, who can, you know, financially at least, she's able to, she does not need that husband, you know, you know that she's not going to go back and report him to anybody should he go back to his abusive ways, which probably he has. But that ah, is what happens wow. in societies where marriage is seen as the be-all and end-all, right? Oh, um, well, you know what? In the United States, there's still abuse. We have plenty of absolutely. shelters, plenty mm -hmm. of women who forget who they are, mm -hmm. of all religions, mm -hmm. all parts of society. This is not only, does it happen only in one country, you know? We understand. Mm -hmm. Um. Nani learns that her mother has to leave the country because of a police raid on her business. And she mm -hmm. had long ago lost respect for her mother, even mm -hmm. though the mother was ostensibly helping poor pregnant women. I read in your acknowledgments that you received a grant to study this very thing mm -hmm. in Nigeria. Can you talk about what you learned? Yeah, so Nani's mother runs um, a baby factory um, and in her case, it's a hospital where women who can't afford to keep their babies for whatever reason come in, give birth, and then Nani's mother sells the babies and gives the women part of the money that she makes. Again, the baby factories have become such a big thing in Nigeria. Again, maybe probably the past 15 years or so. 
Um, unfortunately, they're not always as sanitized as Nani's mother's zone, which is a hospital, you know, and, and they have good beds and all. Um, there are those where the women are kept against their will and they oh. are raped to get them pregnant. Oh. And the babies are sold. And once they are no longer useful, they are thrown out. Um, and through, I, I spoke to um, somebody via the Red Cross whose sister was abducted and kept in, in one of those places. And they had no idea where, where she was until she came back sick and dying. She eventually died and told them that, yeah. you know, she'd been kept and used as a womb. Um, and these sort of places and, and are very um, attractive to those who want babies, but who do not want a paper trail because fecundity is very important. Um, they want to claim that they are the ones who got pregnant and who gave birth to these babies. They don't want any paper trail at all. And there is no way that these babies can ever be traced back to their biological parents. Wow. But is, is abortion legal? Abortion is not legal, no. So the women who get pregnant mm -hmm. and need to get, don't want, can't raise their babies, go by their own will to these kind of places. So some of them do, yes. And even oh. though abortion is not legal, there are those who who have access to abortion because they have the money. Okay. Because mm -hmm. they have the means to. Um, it's not like the United States has figured out how any of this, although uh, maybe the laws against that, maybe, well, it sounds like they went after Nani's mother. So there are laws. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it's illegal, but human nature is such that it doesn't matter how illegal something is. You know, if you have the means and the power to get around it, there'll always be people who will do that. And I think it's the same everywhere. Yeah. Sadly, mm -hmm. unfortunately. Yeah. Fascinating. And it was, I can't get your book out of my mind. And I'm wondering, I'm wondering what you're working on next. So I've just sent in something to my um to my agent. Um and it's a novel about a woman who has to give up a child. And 26 years later, she goes back to look for that baby. Mm. Wow. Also, so it's also going to pull at everybody's heartstrings. Okay. <laughs> I hope so. I'll look forward to it. <laughs> Thank, Thank you. you again for joining me, Chica. It's been a pleasure talking to you about your book. Thank you, Galit. Thank you so much for reading and for having me on the show. And thank you for joining me. Again, this is G.P. Gottlieb, author of the Whipped and Sipped Mystery series and host for New Books and Literature, a podcast channel on the New Books Network. Today, I've been talking to Chica Unigwe about her novel, The Middle Daughter. Hope you all have a good book to cuddle up with tonight and always. Happy reading.